It seems like Europe is always an issue in investors' mind, and therefore it's a pleasure again to speak to Stuart Mitchell, who manages two funds for St James's Place. Stuart, you're a regular contributor to these recordings, so thank you for taking the time again to be with us. Not at all. Stuart, I think it's fair to say that over the last few years, there's been a number of difficulties across European economies, and they've had consequent impact on on markets. Can we firstly talk about the portfolio evolution and the way in which it's adapted over the last 12 months? We've made three uh, major changes to the fund over the past 12 months. The first uh, important and the other two less so. The most important change we've made is to increase our exposure to the banking sector. Banks now constitute some 20% or so of both funds. And here we've been very encouraged by recent detail on Basel III, where um, the burden and the regulations on the banks are much less onerous than we might have previously expected. We've also been very impressed by how aggressively the banks have been able to reprice their back books, how, how much they've done to cut costs and to reduce the, the amount of risk on the balance sheet, and, of course, the valuations. As you can imagine, over the crisis, these share prices have fallen dramatically and really uh, trading on very compelling levels now. Can, can I ask you about Basel III? Because I think that's something that a lot of mm. our listeners would not be familiar with. Can, can you describe what that is and, and what the impact is? Yes, but, but Basel III is, is a collection of rules formulated in Switzerland which basically are followed by the industry as a whole worldwide. There might be some differences depending on a particular region. And, uh, and Basel III was really all about... It was, the work started before the crisis came, but it's all about further improving the stability of the, of the banking system. And, uh, and there are really a number of major things which have been discussed. The first is about banks having enough liquidity to be able to cope in a crisis period with, with the run on deposits. Uh, and the other part is how do you value, how risky are the assets within your balance sheet? And they've been perhaps a little bit more critical than they might have been in the past. Uh, the, on the face of it, the changes looked quite alarming and that would mean that the banks would have to raise quite a lot of capital. But in reality, they've been so pushed forward into the future and they've been so watered down that the impact, we believe, will be very marginal. Stuart, you talked about one major change to the portfolio, which was the banking sector, but two more minor ones. Could you possibly describe those other changes? Yes, the, the, the second important change is we've increased our exposure further to the airline industry. And for the Great European Progressive, we both own IAG now, British Airways, and Air France KLM. And for the Comte Fund, we have Air France KLM. This is an area of the economy we would normally be loath to invest in. As you can imagine, it's been an appallingly difficult industry to be able to compete in. But what we've seen over really the last 12, 15 years is the beginnings of the creation of an oligopoly. For example, look at the North Atlantic route. 10, 15 years ago, there were 15 different players. Now there are basically three. So the industry is acting much more rationally. In this crisis, the airlines took out capacity. They were able to keep preserve pricing power much better than might have been expected. So, so in our view, the major airline groups should be able to make significantly higher profits over the cycle in the future. And, and that means they should be valued more expensively. And, and what about the timing of that entry point? Um, clearly, it's always difficult to, to perfectly judge that. But why was now the right moment? Very good question. It's always a challenge buying cyclical shares. And one of the things we've always tried to do is buy them at, as it were, the point of maximum pain when when there is the most negative news about, that's when you tend to get the best, the safest uh, valuation opportunities. And, and as you can imagine, with the economy being difficult and the high oil price and all the various strikes, particularly at Iberia and other airlines around the world, um, there was 
there was enough negative news. The share price was depressed enough for us to get a great, a great entry point. And, and as you've seen, they've been extraordinary performers. I think IAG is up fifty percent since we bought it a couple of months ago. So your timing was uh, is one of those one of those wonderful instances where timing was uh, timing was everything. Yes, and it's um, it's always difficult with with cyclicals, but we found the only way you can really reliably make money is by sticking to the best quality ones and only buying them when their valuations are at the bottom of their 10, 20-year historic trading ranges. Then you have some chance of making money, good chance of making money. And the other change you made to the portfolio? And uh, the, the final change is, as we've spoken about many times before, we have a very positive view on Europe. We think we're getting clearer and closer to the point where the majority of the industry can see a way through the crisis. We have this balance of austerity with the ECP buying bonds and basically France and Germany agreeing to underwrite the whole project. And, and that's really forced us to look much more closely at the periphery again and to see if there are any nice investment opportunities. I mean, as you can imagine, the Spanish, Italian, more extreme Portuguese and Greek markets have performed terribly. And we just wondered whether there were some one or two nice opportunities. And the really only major new position we've bought is Mediaset, the Italian media group. And again, it's a company we've always liked very much. It's arguably the best manager of the media groups in Europe, if not one of the best in the world. Highly profitable, the dominant market share. But the share price has been very weak on the back of worries about Italy and, of course, a weak advertising market with, the, with the, um, all the problems in the Italian economy at the moment. But if you can look a little bit further out, with some recovery in the market, with the cost-cutting they put through, we think uh, the shares are very, very, very attractively rated. And in terms of exposure to different countries, I know you're a bottom-up stock selector, mm. but I, I'm, aware, I'm well aware that there's a substantial position in France or, or companies based in France in the portfolio. What are the reasons that are creating those opportunities for, for, for you? Yes, it's a, it's a fascinating question because, you know, as you can imagine, um, France has had a, a lot of press recently and uh, a number of, of, of economists are trying to make the comparison and, between France and Italy and Spain, arguing that... The economy is, uh, is, as it were, the weaker of, the, of, the, of that kind of stronger group of northern European economies. We, we uh, think the problems in France are, are really over-exaggerated. I mean, for example, if you look at government debt or if you look at the primary deficit, in fact, the position is much less precarious than uh, we have over here in the United Kingdom and the Americans are facing. And at the end of the day, France is a very competitive industrial economy running somewhere near a current account balance. The, the, the real um, reason why we have so much in France is our whole style, as you know, is very much finding best quality growth companies. And, of course, most of those companies tend to be in the north of Europe. They tend to be in Germany, France, United Kingdom, Switzerland, Scandinavia. There aren't so many great well-beating companies that you can find in, uh, in the periphery of Europe. We perhaps have a little bit more in France than we might normally do at the moment. And that's really a reflection of the, the weakness in the peripheral economies, which has made us much less cautious about buying anything with a domestic exposure in, say, Spain or Italy or, or Portugal. But, but one, one little curious aside, of course, about France has been, um, as well as all the questions about the fragility of the French economy, a number of people have been very alarmed by the election of François Hollande. And it, it's fascinating because if you strip away the rhetoric... Hollande's first budget, in fact, was almost identical to George Osborne's, uh, with the exception of a, the proposed wealth tax, which probably won't even go through now. But uh, VAT was increased by a small amount. In fact, corporation tax has been reduced by almost as much as we've done in the United Kingdom. So if you, if you strip away the rhetoric, the reality is really very similar to what we've seen in the United Kingdom.
And obviously we've seen quite substantial share price performance from, from companies across Europe. Uh, we talked about uh, IEG a mm. few moments ago. Do you feel there's more to go for here, or, or do you feel as though we're getting towards the end of a, 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 of a bull market run in, uh, in Europe? I think for me there are two parts to that. I think on the general kind of bull market as a whole across the world in equities, I mean, we feel this run which started in 2009, 2010, is really about halfway through. Uh, we think the final stage of the bull market will be when we see the pickup in capital expenditure and when European economies and the rest of the world economy really begins to grow fast again. In our opinion, the bull market won't end until we see a rise in interest rates. So we've probably got another two years. As to Europe, we um, think that the whole thing can go really much, much further. And as we've spoken about many times before, one of the curious anomalies we think in world markets is that European companies are basically trading at a 40-50% discount to their American counterparts. And uh, we think there's very little real reason for that. If you look at the average large um, multinational in Europe, there's really very little to distinguish them from their their you know, competitors, major competitors in, in the United States. They'll be borrowing from the same bond markets. They'll have similar spread of international sales. They'll be making the same kinds of return equity. The only difference in reality will be their head offices are um, based in Frankfurt or Paris rather than rather than America. So we think, as I guess the, the concerns around the whole Euro project lessen, which it already has done significantly already, but we think as it further lessens over the next few months, that massive valuation gap will narrow against American equities. And if you remember in the past, European and American equities traded pretty much valuation-wise pari passu before the crisis uh, came. So, so in our view, we've got the continuation of the bull market, and we believe Europe should continue to dramatically outperform the rest of the world as valuations catch up and harmonise with America. So it's great to hear you so excited about uh, the opportunities in your fund. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Any views and opinions expressed are solely those of the individuals and are subject to change. Where individual securities are mentioned, they do not necessarily represent a specific portfolio holding and do not constitute a recommendation to purchase or sell. Please be aware that past performance is not indicative of future performance. The value of an investment may fall as well as rise and you may get back less than you invested. Returns on equities cannot be guaranteed. Equities do not provide the security of capital characteristic of a deposit with a bank or building society.